You're going to love this. Just love it. Oh, that's it. It's I'm not so right. scared in case I fall off my chair. Nope, not scared. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am from Pacifica Radio's 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com, says me. We are on 90.7 FM in LA and uh, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast and of course coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on the iTunes, on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, and now RadioOrNot.com and Radio Sputnik, five days a week. Glad you could join us for week number two of the Daily Bradcast. It's great to be here with you. Uh, we A lot to catch up on, a lot to catch up, or at least that I was going to try to catch up on this week. Um, after last week, uh, everything that happened in Baltimore, there was a lot of stories that sort of got pushed to the back pages. Was hoping to try to get to them. And then, of course... This stupid shooting over the weekend in Dallas. We will be getting to that uh, soon. Uh, the shooting at Garland, Texas at a Mohammed cartoon event put on by these right wingers uh, called a celebration of free speech. It was, in fact, a celebration of hate speech, and it turned bloody. Uh, we will be joined by the great and beloved stand-up comedian, author, YouTube star, and uh, my fellow Pacifica Radio colleague, broadcaster Jimmy Dore, he'll be joining us to talk about that. Jimmy and I, we, we've had, we've gone back and forth over the past few months since the shooting, uh, the shootings at Charlie Hebdo, about all of this and about the way forward and what's offensive and what is not and what is satire and what is not. Uh, so uh, I will look forward to getting his thoughts on what happened in Dallas over the weekend. Uh, in a little bit, so you're going to want to stick around for that. You can, as ever, tweet me on uh, on the Twitters at the Brad Blog, and you can also find us over at Facebook on the Brad Blog. We would love it if you would uh, join us, follow us, like us, whatever it is that needs to be done. Uh, one of the items I want to make sure does not uh, slip off the uh, off the uh, uh, front pages here too much uh, is the uh, Nepal earthquake. So I'm going to get to that in a moment. Uh, and then we will have some news on uh, Carson and Carly jumping into the 2016 race. And some more dysfunction at the Federal Election Commission. And we will see if I have time. Uh, the, uh, last week we tried to get to uh, the uh, National Rifle Association's new theory about Barack Obama and his secret plan to take away all of your ammo. We'll <laughs> That's a we'll, funny one. <laughs> we, 
We will see <laughs> yes. if we can get to it uh, this week. Yes, indeed. We'll see. Indeed. We'll it see it'll... how much happens between now and then. Yes? There's a lot. There's a lot going on, so it's, it's tough to fit it all in. That is our lovely uh, and uh, clever producer, Desi Doyen, also my uh, uh, co-host on the Green News Report, nationally syndicated around the... Well, around the nation. That's what that means. That's what that means. Uh, All right. So we will be uh, getting to all of that and more. But first, uh, one tiny sliver of good news amongst horrific news in Nepal. And since there's been so much going on here in the U.S., I just want to make sure for our for our listeners in the U.S. that they don't lose track of this story. Uh, The tiny sliver of good news concerns uh, the rescue of a 101-year-old man from underneath the rubble of his home over the weekend, uh, one week after an earthquake, a devastating earthquake, struck Nepal. Somehow this 101-year-old man, uh, Kamal Singh Bam, Oh, no, that's that's the uh, Nepal police spokesman uh, who explained what happened to uh, CNN, Kamal Singh Bam. Um, somehow he managed to survive for eight days under rubble at 101 years old. He is uh, said to be in stable condition. Police have no clue how he survived. Um, he was in the Nuakot district just northwest of uh, Kathmandu. That's the good news. The bad news is the death toll from this uh, devastating 7.8 earthquake that struck last week, now stands at 7,250 people. 7,250 dead. The number of injured is at fourteen over 14,000, according to the National Emergency Operations Center. Um, and uh, sadly, a Nepalese government minister warned over the weekend that the death toll is expected to climb, quote, much higher. Finance Minister Ram Sharan Mahat said at an event uh, in Azerbaijan over the weekend that there are still villages where we know that all houses have been destroyed, but that have not yet been able to reach those villages. He described an incalculable, incalculable human loss and suffering with millions of people rendered homeless Uh, Three million people are now in need of food assistance in Nepal. Uh, Mahat said that the quake quake had completely or partially destroyed nearly 300,000 homes in Nepal. Uh, An amazing story. We haven't seen a lot of it uh, here in the U.S. uh, on the U.S. uh, media. To some extent, I suppose, understandably, with what had been going on in, uh, in Baltimore over the past week. And that town on tenterhooks uh, in the wake of the Freddie Gray story. But uh, so I, I just wanted to toss that out there because I, I don't want did not want to lose sight of, of that story. Yes. And they still do need uh, donations that you can send through various international aid relief organizations like UNICEF, the United, the United Nations Children's Fund, through Doctors Without Borders, through the International Red Cross. Uh, they do still need money. There are issues with right now, apparently, bottlenecks uh, for the aid arriving in areas where it is most needed. And of course, they're also having to deal with the difficulty of aftershocks and with the just the difficulty of roads and bridges being destroyed but anything that anyone can do to help is is much appreciated yeah and these aftershocks are not only continuing some of these aftershocks are huge i mean they're like uh actual earthquakes yeah full strength earthquakes that would be considered devastating even in nepal at the time so all right let's get on to some less depressing news maybe 
this uh, concerns. Actually, uh, this is less depressing. Uh, Bernie Sanders. We were talked about him last week as he jumped into the Democratic race for uh, 2016 presidential nomination. Uh, I guess that's what you got to do these days to get on to uh, the Sunday shows. Bernie Sanders was on uh, on ABC News this week, and I don't know. Uh, do you have any idea, Desi uh, Doyen? Has he been on uh, ABC News this week in the past, or is this um, I it... tried to look that up to yeah. see if he had been up any time recently, and it looks like he hasn't. That this is pretty much what was required in order for him to be on at all <laughs> to get on at all. Yeah, I... to get on at all, which is is shocking uh, and I think depressing too. I, I looked up uh, other instances of his appearances mm-hmm. on Sunday shows, and he did didn't even appear on uh, Meet the Press until 2011. I mean, he's been in politics and he's been a force yeah. as a senator for, for decades. Well, years ago, Media Matters did a study, did a number of studies, uh, said that, uh, what was the name of that? It was great. It was like, if it's Sunday, there's no Democrats on the Sunday show. <laughs> Something much. like that. Yeah, because uh, the, the balance was ridiculous as far as. Uh, Republicans, right wingers on these Sunday shows. I think versus it was Democrats. like a three to one ratio or something at like best, that. At best, it's gotten a lot better, I, I believe, and I can't tell you that empirically. But I, I tune in from time to time, and even when I don't tune in, I try to check who's going to be on those Sunday shows. It looks like it has been a lot more balanced. Let's say I hate using that word because uh, fairness is one thing, balance is BS, but. Uh, when it comes to Sunday shows and the voices that you hear, yeah, the balance is important so that you have uh, something other than the right wing view of the world that goes out on these Sunday shows. Uh, so things have gotten a little bit better, uh, but still uh, to get Bernie Sanders on, I think he was on one show this weekend on ABC uh, this week. Uh, but here's what he had to say. And it's um, uh, just a, a short clip of what he had to say. But, man, what a refreshing voice to hear on the Sunday news shows. Bernie Sanders on ABC This Week. Is it really possible for someone who calls himself a socialist to be elected president of the United States? Well, so long as we know what democratic socialism is, and if we know that in countries in Scandinavia, like Denmark, Norway, Sweden, they are very democratic countries. Obviously, the voter turnout is a lot higher than it is in the United States. In those countries, health care is a right of all people. In those countries, college education, graduate school is free. Uh, in those countries, retirement benefits, child care are stronger than in the United States of America. And in those countries, by and large, government works for ordinary people in the middle class rather than, as is the case right now in our country, uh, for the billionaire I class. can hear the Republican attack ad right now. He wants America to look more like Scandinavia. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yep. And what's wrong with that? What's wrong when you have more income and wealth equality? What's wrong when we, they have... Uh, a stronger middle class in many ways than we do, a higher minimum wage uh, than we do, and they're stronger on the environment than we do. Look, we have, George, the highest rate of childhood poverty of any major country on earth at the same time as we're seeing a proliferation of millionaires and billionaires. Frankly, I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think that's what America is about. Yeah, frankly, what's wrong with less economic inequality? Uh, thank you, Bernie. Thanks for not backing away from that. Thanks for, I mean, because that's the old you know, line. Ah, he wants us to look like Europe. He wants us to look like Scandinavia. Yeah. Have you been to Europe? It's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, you know, everything looks their 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 uh, their trains are new. Their airports are new. You know, the the police show up. The firemen show up when there's a problem. In France, you get your mail delivered twice a day. Twice a day? Twice a day. What? It's anarchy. It's tyranny. 
Snail mail, right? It's not like they restrict your email to twice a day, is it? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, so, uh, good. Uh, very nice to see that. Uh, and uh, you know what? A, a lot of people have been talking, saying, oh, Bernie is only doing this to try to pull Hillary to the left. He says he's in it to win it. We'll see if that's the case. Um, but uh, you know what? Just hearing these voices, uh, hearing his voice in this race, I would argue, is a breath of fresh air. Uh, Ernie Canning, our legal analyst over at Bradblog.com, wrote about uh, Bernie and his uh, his fight here in an article called "Bernie Sanders versus the Democracy Deficit." We're going to have Ernie on a little bit later in the week to talk about that article if the radio gods are with us. Um, because he, you know, he says that his his candidacy here, if it is picked up among the uh, among the people, this populist campaign uh, would uh, could deliver nothing short of a democratic revolution, small d democratic revolution. And uh, he argues that it's not just about uh, pulling uh, Hillary to the left, but that you know, if the people step up and get behind Bernie. You know, they, they the same issue came up and you you saw the, the mainstream media try to marginalize all the other candidates back in 2008. It wasn't that long ago. And people need to remember Hillary Clinton was thought to be the presumptive nominee back in 2008. It was thought to be a ridiculous uh, idea that uh, someone named Barack Obama, Barack Hussein Obama, could possibly defeat Hillary Clinton back in 2008 much less uh, John Edwards or anyone else back then. Uh, but uh, things changed quickly, and they could change quickly here for good or bad. I don't know. It depends what you think about Bernie Sanders. But this notion that, oh, he's he's an also-ran, no way he can beat uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, that's mainstream. That's mainstream U.S. corporate media playing along with the old narrative that, you know, that the, the parties each have their that have their successors, that the one with the most money is going to be the winner. Hey, here's something when it comes to money. Bernie Sanders, in his first 24 hours, raised more money than any of the uh, three Republican candidates who, who had uh, fully declared at the time. Uh, more than uh, Marco Rubio, more than Ted Cruz, more than Rand Paul. And Bernie Sanders did it with uh, tiny donations, $43 donations, what I think was the average he raised more money in the first 24 hours than those three Republicans, those three Republicans who, by the way, are on the Sunday shows all the time. So uh, be careful what you hear from the uh, mainstream uh, corporate media and, and buying the nonsense that you hear. Um, OK, yeah, Des, you had some. Well, yeah, I wanted to get to these Republicans now because we are nothing if not fair and balanced. So, <laughs> and, yes, yes, indeed. Well, just pointing out that, remember, in the 2000 election and again in the 2004 election, the corporate media did run with sort of the right wing narrative. You know, they tried to marginalize Al Gore by making fun of him. He's a bore. And they had this entire uh, characterization. He of invented Al Gore. the Internet. Oh, yeah. Remember this, that? This is a completely. Uh, Even though he. Never he, said he never he said a thing of that kind. Right. right. So they've done that before. And I would not be surprised if they attempt to do the same course, thing with Bernie Andrew, with Bernie Sanders right now. They're already marginalizing him and saying, oh, look at his crazy hair. Oh, he can never be it. You know, what's he trying to do? Well, how crazy is this socialism? So it's just interesting to see that. And I think that if people uh, push back against the corporate media, you know, write to them, make a lot of noise like the Tea Partiers do whenever their people don't get treated very well by the media, I think that might help. It might. I don't know. But saying nothing definitely will not make a difference. His hair is kind of crazy. 
Yeah, he could use a comb, but could still. Comb. Some mousse, that's, that's a little really mousse, a little a hair gel. Good that's hair all. should okay. not be a qualification for being president. Oh, you're right. You're right. But it is. But it, it's actually maybe the, the top qualification these days. Uh, okay, so uh, on with our uh, fair and balancedness here. We, you know, there's so many Republicans entering this race. Uh, it, it's difficult to keep up with them. We try to do it on the Green News Report in regard to, uh, you know, what their positions on climate change. But here on uh, the broadcast, there are so many coming in uh, so often. Today, we've got two of them uh, coming in uh, at once now. I think we're up to uh, five officially declared that it seems like what, you know, what we really need to really capture the spirit of the Republican uh, uh, prim- 2016 primary. We needed a theme song. Now, we don't have a lot of money on this show, so we have to, you know, we're, we're running on a shoestring. Um, so we couldn't uh, compose our own. But I think I found one uh, that might be pretty good. We'll use this uh, theme song and I'll, I'll uh, tell you a little bit about the two latest uh, entrants into the 2016 Republican nomination contest go ahead hit that theme song guys oh yes very exciting very exciting that's right first to join the 2016 race over the weekend benjamin solomon ben carson senior a 63 year old african-american author retired neurosurgeon the first surgeon to successfully separate conjoined twins joined at the head. In 2008, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President George W. Bush after delivering a widely publicized speech at the 2013 National Prayer Breakfast. He became a popular figure in right-wing political media, such as Fox News, where he became a paid contributor until deciding to consider a run for the White House. Carson has now announced he will seek the Republican nomination for President of the United States in 2016. Also joining the race, Carly Fiorina, born Kara Carlton Sneed. She's a 60-year-old former business executive and failed politician who has now announced her run for the Republican Party's nomination for President of the United States. Fiorina has been an executive at AT AT&T before being chief executive officer of Hewlett-Packard from 1999 to 2005 when she was forced to resign. In 2002, Fiorina pushed for a contentious merger with rival computer company Compaq, which made HP the world's largest personal computer manufacturer. But it also made its stock lose half of its value. In 2005, since being forced to resign from HP, she has frequently been described as one of the worst tech CEOs of all time. Fiorina ordered the layoffs of some 30,000 HP employees during her tenure. And that is our update on the latest in the Republican presidential 2016 nomination race. How Uh, very festive. Very festive. The circus continues. Uh, A couple of points uh, on both Ben Carson and Carly Fiorina before we get to our break here. And Jimmy Dore, he will be uh, coming by. Have him uh, on standby, Desi Doyen. Um, It's a couple of comments. Uh, Ben Carson, uh, his opinion on Obamacare. I guess this is somewhat important, perhaps because he's a doctor, a former uh, retired neurosurgeon, as I said. And um, I guess he should know something about medicine. Nonetheless, uh, during the Value Voters Values Voters Summit in 2013, Ben Carson said, quote, I have to tell you, Obamacare is really, I think, the worst thing that has happened in this nation since Slavery. Well, 
That was Ben Carson, uh, who, as I mentioned, is African-American. But uh, Obamacare is the worst since slavery. Never mind 9-11, never mind, you know, World War II, stuff like that, Vietnam. Uh, in an interview um, with the Daily Beast, Carson also suggested that Obamacare is arguably worse than 9-11, than the terror attacks on the World Trade Center, given the long-term impact of Obamacare. Yeah, wow. I don't know either. Yeah. I have no <laughs> idea even. how that could be worse. Uh, Carson also called the Veterans Affairs scandal a, quote, gift from God. <laughs> this was the veteran, uh, the VA hospital and all the problems they've been having there uh, because it's useful, he said, for criticizing Obamacare. Quote, if we can't get it right with the relatively small number of veterans, how in the world are you going to do it with the entire population, Carson said. Of course, uh, comparing it to... Uh, uh, the, the VA system, comparing Obamacare to the VA system, is ridiculous in that VA actually is a government takeover of medical care. Those are actually government-run hospitals, doctors paid by uh, hospitals, as opposed to Obamacare, which, whether you like it or not, is uh, a private insurance system <laughs> that is, uh, you know, that subsidies, well, you know how Obamacare works, but it, it ain't. Actually, I don't know if you do know how it works because obviously they don't over on Fox News and Ben Carson hasn't ha doesn't have a clue. Um, one or two more points on Carly Fiorina here. Uh, investors, this is from 2005, when she was pushed out, when she was forced out from HP. This is Market Watch in 2005. Investors rallied behind HP's stock after learning of Fiorina's departure. The shares climbed a buck thirty-nine, or almost seven percent, after she was pushed out. Uh, the Dow component was the most heavily traded issue on the New York Stock Exchange, with volume of more than 102 million shares at the time. So uh, investors were delighted when she was thrown out. Why wouldn't voters be delighted to put her in charge of the country now? Uh, I should also say my own personal experience at HP. Um, a few years after Carly had left, I, I did some work for HP uh, in interviewing some people uh, for some product or another that was used in a, uh, uh, industrial videos, uh, so to speak, um, used internally. And I was interviewing some of their people there and talked to a lot of people at the time. They hated Carly Fiorina. They were so glad that she was gone. And this was just a year or two after she had left. Um, so there you go. Why we wouldn't want her to be a president, why we wouldn't want her to be the nominee for the Republican Party, I couldn't tell you. She's never held elected, elected office before. Sounds like nothing but success to me. Uh, bring on Carly. Anyway, that brings our, our number, I think, officially uh, in the Republican race to something like five. And I think we got another... Five or 10 or 20 or 25 to come on the Republican side. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Come right back with this uh, shooting in Texas and my uh, uh, friend Jimmy Dore and his thoughts on what's going on uh, down there in Texas and around the world when it comes to drawing of uh, drawings of cart uh, Muhammad cartoons and much more. All straight ahead. This is your broadcast. Stay tuned. <laughs>
Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com here with you. Okay, we had a, a, another a, a terrible event over the weekend, a deadly shooting at a Muhammad cartoon drawing event in Garland, Texas, uh, which is uh, sort of outside Dallas near Plano. Do I have that right, Desi? Because you're, you're actually from this area of, yes, of Texas, right? Yes, I am right? from North Texas, and Garland would be considered East Dallas. Okay. And uh, let's see, a right-wing group offered $10,000 to the winner of the most offensive cartoon contest uh, that they held at this community center down there, where weeks earlier at this very same community center, they had had a, uh, an anti-Islamophobia event, because apparently this is a very sort of right-wing area of, uh, of Dallas, which is, I guess most of Dallas is kind of a right-wing area now that I think about it. But um, so they held this event at the very same place. Uh, they called it a free speech event. I would argue it was a hate speech event, frankly. Uh, near the end of the event, a couple of um, uh, shooters allegedly uh, showed up, started shooting in the parking lot, and they were killed. A security guard was injured, but I think... He's going to be okay. The head of the group who was sponsoring this event, uh, a woman by the name of Pamela Geller, she's a, a right-wing blogger. She has been doing this for years. She has been trying to uh, draw the attention of, um, uh, I mean, she, she spent, uh, I think it was like $100,000 for ads on buses in New York City, basically going after uh, uh, the Islamic faith. And trying to taunt them. And, well, looks like uh, she feels at least she may have gotten the war she's looking for. She was a, a whisk away from the event uh, over the weekend and wrote on her blog, quote, This is a war. This is war on free speech. What are we going to do? Are we going to surrender to these monsters? Two men with rifles and backpacks attacked police outside our event. A cop was shot. His injuries are not life-threatening. Thank God. Please keep him in your prayers. The bomb squad has been called to the event to uh, to the event site to investigate a backpack left at the event site. And she writes, the war is here. Uh, the White House on Monday commented on this shooting. Um, and I should say the the not just the shooting of the of the two shooters who showed up, but their subsequent killing. They were killed by uh, a security guard. White House Press Secretary Josh Earnest said Monday that no form of expression justified two gunmen opening fire on police officers who were guarding a Mohammed cartoon drawing contest Sunday in Garland, Texas. Uh, Earnest told reporters aboard Air Force One, quote, We have seen extremists try to use expressions that they consider to be offensive as a way to justify violence not only in this country but around the world. According to the Pool report on this, Ernest said, In the mind of the president, there is no form of expression that would justify an act of violence. And I absolutely agree with that sentiment. That said, after the Charlie Hebdo uh, massacre a few months back, uh, you had a lot of folks sort of coming out of the woodwork saying, We are Charlie Hebdo and standing by these cartoonists who were killed. And uh, I, of course, stand by those cartoonists and their right to uh, freedom of expression in Paris. But at the time, I went on uh, KPFK and, and we asked uh, callers to uh, ring in with their thoughts on um, my feeling, which was, 
you know, you have every right to express yourself, no matter how hateful anyone views it. Period. End of story. There is no question about that. My only question was, why would you want to? Why would you want to go out of your way to offend uh, someone, a minority in this case, uh, certainly in Paris, an oppressed minority, with cartoons that are meant to offend their religious faith. Now, I'm not talking about cartoons that go against Muslim extremists, that go against ISIS or Al-Qaeda. I'm talking about just uh, an obnoxious picture of the, uh, of the Prophet Muhammad trying to do it to taunt uh, people into a reaction. That seems to me what went on in Texas uh, over the weekend in Dallas, and that seems to me exactly what Pam Geller was trying to do. She went on CNN on Monday uh, and had this to say in response to the uh, to the shooting uh, over the weekend. Well, it's dangerous because increasingly we're abridging our freedoms so as not to offend savages. savages. The very idea that if something offends me or I don't or I'm insulted by something, I, I, I'll kill you. And that way I can get my way. And somehow this is okay with members of the elite media and academia is outrageous. I think it's similarly uh, outrageous that you're uh, calling people savages uh, and not necessarily referring to terrorists, but to uh, Muslims, uh, 3.6 billion Muslims around the country, around the world, uh, as far as I can tell, worldwide. Uh, but uh, to talk about all of this, I want to bring in my friend who was critical somewhat of my uh, of my remarks uh, at the time on the broadcast. Uh, he is a comedian. He's my friend and my colleague, Jimmy Dore. He's the star of the award winning comedy central special Citizen Jimmy, the author of the best selling book. Your country is just not that into you. And he's the host of the Jimmy Dore Show, which airs on Fridays on our own KPFK here in Los Angeles and nationally on the Pacifica Radio Network. He's also seen frequently on The Young Turks, where both he and our producer, Desi Doyen, often appear as guest hosts together from time to time. Hey, Jimmy, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Wow, it's great to be back on. Thanks for having me. I wish we could uh, get together on better circumstances, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, it, it wouldn't be uh, fun if we agreed on everything, because you and I, we do. We agree on a lot of stuff, I think, politically, but we've had a, a, a bit of a loggerheads here concerning uh, first uh, Charlie Hebdo and maybe now concerning the shooting over the weekend. I don't know because I haven't yet talked to you about it, but at the time... You were somewhat critical of what I had to say on the broadcast, and you were kind enough to have me on your show where we could hash it out uh, in, a, in a bit more detail because I think maybe you misunderstood what I was saying a bit. But uh, you certainly took exception to some of my comments. Uh, I, I, you know, my question at the time was, why would anybody want to purposely insult the faith of an entire religious group, uh, particularly when they were an oppressed minority? And you seemed to say the more offensive, the better when it comes to religion. So have I characterized that right? And what are your feelings following the shooting over the weekend in Dallas? I think, I think you did characterize it correctly. Um, you know, what's funny is when it comes to this terrorism, freedom of speech, and Islam, um, I seem to offend everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Good, fine. Um, I've been sticking up lately for people uh, who, who want to pretend that Islam is more violent than other religions. Of course, it's hard on days like this. 
um, after a shooting because people are offended at cartoons. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, I don't. I think we can all agree that that's wrong. That if you're offended by something, then uh, you trying to violently uh, react to that—that's wrong, right? We all agree on that. We do. We agree on that for sure. Okay. So I. I think it's important to reaffirm freedom of speech. Now, this person, it's unfortunate that this Pam Geller is the person doing this, because she's a horrible person. And what she wants to do is incite violence. What she wants to do is pretend that Islam and Muslims are worse than other people or other groups of people, which I don't believe they are. I believe that all fundamentalist religions are very violent and backwards and ignorant thinking. For instance, mm-hmm. somebody showed up at this cartoon thing and started shooting because they were offended about people drawing cartoons of the, of the prophet, which, right. as we all agree, is not good. Also, Christians will show up at churches and shoot doctors who perform medical abortions. Right. right? So that's, yeah. So I would point to that. See, they're just as crazy, but they're crazy about something else. Is that some certain Muslims are crazy about the prophet being drawn as a cartoon, and certain Christians are crazy about doctors performing ethically medical procedures? So that that so there so uh, I say that they're all extreme in their fundamentalism. Now I do agree that it's so I think we're in agreement here. Then I don't agree that Pam Geller should try to antagonize people uh, in the way she did, although. I half agree with her. I mean, I think it's good to reaffirm freedom of speech and not be just like it's good to reaffirm that the right of a woman to reproductive health services, even in the face of fundamental Christians who want to kill you for it. Yeah, I but but your but your example there, Jimmy. I mean, it's one thing going against extremism, and Pam Geller does not seem to be going against extremism. She seems to be going after a central tenet of the faith, which, no matter how ridiculous you think or anybody <laughs> may think it sounds, that you know you can't depict the Prophet Muhammad in in, in an illustration. And by the way, I think all religion sounds ridiculous to me, including, you know, not necessarily the extremists, just religion as a whole, I think is, you know, kind of a a, a mass uh, hallucination that these religions all agree to uh, believe in. So, you know, I'm not a big uh, religious guy, but. To go out and taunt people like this, this to to use your example, this would be a, wouldn't this be akin to going out not not just uh, being in support of abortions, but going to where people are against abortions because of their religious faith, and you know showing them pictures of or or, or you know putting it somehow in their face that hey we get to have abortion. I mean, it's it's purposely trying to draw uh, draw fire, isn't it? Um, I think. I think definitely Pam Geller was trying to draw fire. Um, I agree with you on that point, but she did go to Texas and do it. She didn't go to Saudi Arabia or Syria. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's where the analogy kind of breaks down a little. But at the same time, I go on stage every night, and I vehemently and in a very uh, fighting way make fun of the Catholic Church. Now, Mm -hmm. I was brought up Catholic, so I feel like I have license to do that. But even if I wasn't, I would feel like I had license to do that. Well, do you feel that Catholicism is is an oppressed minority in these areas where you are uh, uh, doing your your shows? No, I do not. No, far from it. Uh, Christianity is the mainstream religion in America, which is why it's more fun for me to push back against the powerful, which is why I stick up for Muslims in America and their freedom uh, uh-huh. more so, uh, and I spend more time defending them 
than I do Christianity, it's because they are the minority in America. Right. But there are, I think they're the majority religion worldwide. So, right, isn't there more Muslims, I think, than Christians? I, I, I don't know. I I, you you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I think you are I think you are correct, but certainly not here in America, certainly not here in, in, in Dallas, certainly not in Paris, right. where this was all going on. No, can I, can I, can I split the, uh, the hair or the needle or whatever this is and say that I, while I affirm the idea of it, of it, you have to be okay to offend everyone without fear of violence. Now that doesn't mean I, like like D, like the D Ray Mickelson said about the Baltimore riots. I don't have to condone it to understand it. So I don't really I don't condone kind of like beating up on an oppressed minority in America, mm-hmm. uh, which right now are Muslims. I don't but I, at the same time I stand up for freedom of speech as an absolute, and the fact that those people went and shot her up for exercising her freedom of speech kind of proves her point. So it's it, you know if you want to show how bad Pam Geller is, don't go kill them. So that's what people say. Well, Christians don't do it if you offend Christianity. Well, if you they do it in certain situations, right? Sure. So so I'm just trying to make the case that I can be for Pam Geller's right to do this, and even think it might be a halfway a good idea. But um, at the same time, I'm against picking on minorities, and I'm but I'm also against those minorities using violence. Right. Right. So I would I would be for them protesting her just like I'm for peaceful protest in Baltimore. But I'm not for violent protest of Pam Keller. It's a I mean, that was the point that uh, I think both you and I made last time we talked about this on your show. It, this is a tough one for people because it doesn't work well on cable news where they right. sort of make you pick a side. You're for right. them or against them, you know. And yeah. there are some nuances here. Uh, Josh Marshall wrote a, a talking point memo, talking points memo today that quote: "Political violence is the greatest corrosive of free and ordered societies." That's true. And then he adds, "But a hate group is a hate group the day after someone takes a shot at them, just like it was the day before." And Pam Geller and her group are uh, listed on the. Uh, what is it? The Southern uh, Poverty yes. Law Center's uh, list As of hate, hate group. groups. Yeah. Yes. So, and I agree with you. Um, you know, I just think that if you're religious, you don't get to be violent because someone offends you. And you know, Correct. when you say when you say that offends me, you get to be a victim. Now that you're automatic. So why can't I say, hey, your religion offends me? I always try to turn around on people and just mm-hmm. give me a moment to make this point. I was at a picnic with my family a few years ago and we were sitting around making fun of uh, Jerry Falwell, I mean, uh, Pat Robertson had just said something crazy. We're all making fun of it. And then I'll, I'll pull the car full of my born-again Christian relatives and my dad says, hey, keep it down. Here comes Angela and Mike. They're really religious. And I said, hey, why don't you tell them to keep their religion down because it offends <laughs> me as an atheist. Right. I go, how come it's always the other way? Why do I always have to tiptoe around the people who claim to have the secret to life? Why is it that I, who am supposed to be in the dark and I'm going to hell and I'm not in the light, have to shut up because it might hurt the feelings of the people who somehow are enlightened? It seems backwards and opposite logic, right? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. No, I I completely agree, although uh, uh, picking on Pat Robertson is different than, you know, picking on the the top prophet in any particular faith, particularly when uh, doing so is... Or, or not doing so is a tenet of that faith, at least one one part of the uh, Muslim uh, faith in any event. Yes. 
So the, so what I guess we can agree is that the tricky part is here. We all want to stand up for free speech, and we all want to stand up for minorities. And right now, it's kind of like it's, uh, it's a complicated situation because standing up for free speech, just like when the ACLU defended the Nazis' right to march through Skokie mm-hmm. in, in, in Chicago yeah. because they were defending their freedom of speech, even though they disagreed with what they were saying. So I might disagree with Pam Geller, but I have to stand up for her freedom of speech to say it, and I have to be against people using violence to squelch someone else's ideas. If you're offended by someone's ideas, you have the right in America to protest. Okay, but but here, in the minute or two we have left here, Jimmy, here I would say is the difference. Uh, You and I would both agree that the Nazis have the right to uh, protest in uh, um, uh, Skokie Skokie and so forth if they want, but... Uh, you're actually encouraging. You're saying, yes, the more Muhammad cartoons, the better. That's akin to saying, yes, the more Nazi marches, the better. I'm saying I, they have the right to do it. I support their right to do it. But I would be delighted if the Nazis stopped marching anywhere and everywhere. Um, mm, gosh, it's hard. You know, again, I 99% agree with you. Okay, <laughs> then. Thank you very much. That was Jimmy Dore joining us on the... <laughs> yeah, it's just, I, I, you know, it's really a tough one because Pam Geller said is a hate group and what they're doing is they're trying to incite violence. At the same time, I, you, you, we shouldn't be worried that speech is going to get you shot, no matter what it is, right? I mean, that's the whole beauty of America. And no, I don't want more people uh, doing symposiums where they offend people. But at the same time, uh, you should be free. I, I mean, as a guy who goes on stage, on I don't have a bodyguard in front of me, and I say a lot of anybody could do whatever they want to me. Right. You know what I mean? So yep. I, I uh, and, and and I don't want to be afraid to speak my mind. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what this does. This terrorism terrorizes yep. you. It makes you afraid yep. to do what you normally would do. Yeah. So. I don't think we could give in to that. I think it's okay to, you know, people thought the life of Brian was offensive. You know, Christians got upset, and they were the majority religion, right? right. And they were still upset about it. Yeah, so, so that's where it comes in tricky. If, now, let me ask you this, Brad. Yeah. If Muslims were the majority religion in America, would you be okay with it? Uh, you know, I think we talked about uh, satire when we were on your show, and, and obviously what you do with satire and these uh, cartoons are supposedly, at least the Charlie Hebdo, were, were supposed to be satire. I don't right. think what was done in, in Dallas was was satire but uh you know i'm okay with i I mean i love satire have done it myself for years it's about (laughs) going after the powerful but when you're going after people who are not powerful and then you know at that point you're just being a jerk and so uh, you know it's one thing to go after the pope obviously he has some power the catholic religion has some power pat robertson has some power that's one thing going after those people but uh going after the powerless i i just i still just don't get it to be frank let let me uh, since i got just a minute or two left here uh, jimmy let me read uh three tweets to you because i think we might agree on all three of these these were uh posted at uh, uh via raw story but they add some uh, interesting perspective here. Uh, Jay, okay. Jay Rowling said, America was okay with ignoring the first 4,000 gun homicides this year, but the two today got people's attention. Uh, okay. Uh, I think that's a good point. Adam White. Yeah. That's more about gun violence, though, actually. Uh, yeah, it is. Well, see, I'm trying to yeah. move move it forward here, Jimmy, so that we can agree yeah. on something before we let you go. All right? <laughs> yeah. Adam Adam Weinstein said, why the outrage? 
A-holes held an A-hole convention. Violent A-holes tried to shoot up A-hole convention. Got shot. The system worked. And finally, and I don't know if we agree on that one or not, finally, uh, from Ozer Khalid, Pam Geller is a bigot. Bigots have the right to be bigots without being shot at. And I completely agree with uh, the sentiment that both that she is a bigot and she has that right without being shot at. Yeah, I guess I w- we agree. With, I agree with all those tweets. See there, I I knew we would come together at the end here. <laughs> uh, nothing but love, Jimmy. Uh, okay, Jimmy Dore, uh, always great to talk to my friend. And uh, let's uh, have you on uh, my show or me on your show anytime we can find something to disagree about. I agree. That's always more fun to disagree. Thanks for having me on, Brad. Jimmy Dore Show is heard uh, Fridays on KPFK. You can you can and should download it anytime via iTunes or YouTube. And what's your website address before you go, Jimmy? It is JimmyDoreComedy.com, and you spell Dore, D-O-R-E. Thank you, my friend. Always great talking to you. Bye-bye, Brad. Thanks. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Come back with continuing dysfunction at the Federal Election Commission, even with the 2016 race getting insaner and insaner and expensiver and expensiver. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yep, get ready for a lot more dark money in politics, warns Greg Sargent. Of course, we've been warning about this for uh, some years, uh, including going back to early 2014, or maybe even earlier, when we uh, told you about on this broadcast, on the Bradcast, as well as at bradblog.com, about the lawsuit against the FEC trying to force them to do their job. Uh, when it comes to uh, holding groups like uh, Karl Rove's American Crossroads uh, accountable for raising millions of dollars and then not declaring them so- and, and spending the majority of it on campaigns, and elections and not declaring themselves a, uh, a political action committee as they are required to by law, even after Citizens United and what the Supreme Court did there. The, the basis of Citizens United was that actually it was supposed to require more disclosure because they said, well, there are rules, there are laws that are in place by Congress that require political spending to be declared. So we can know who it is who are, are you know, funding these groups to the tune of millions of dollars. However, Karl Rove figured out a clever trick. He figured out that if they uh, declared themselves to be a 501c4, uh, what are they, a tax-exempt social welfare organization, not a political organization, but a social welfare organization who's just out there educating the public, that they would not have to declare who it is that's giving them all this money. But, of course, it was uh, stuff and nonsense. What he knew he was doing was getting around the law, the requirements that uh, political money must be spent 
must be declared. But he said this wasn't political money. We're just a social welfare group. We're just trying to inform the public about the issues. And um, <laughs> even though a majority now the, the tax code, I'm not going to get into too many details here, but the tax code uh, requires that a 501c4 group operate exclusively for social welfare. It cannot do any type of campaigning and yet or political work. And yet the IRS has uh, decided to interpret that. Well, you know, as long as they are primarily doing social welfare as opposed to exclusively, as the law says. So uh, they oftentimes let this slide. Well, uh, back in 2010, after Karl Rove figured out this trick and he created American Crossroads and he realized, oh, man, as long as I don't have to disclose my donors, I'll get millions of dollars for my group. Um, an organization that I helped found, uh, VelvetRevolution.us, an activist group uh, which is uh, was started a campaign called protectourelections.com and protectourelections.com filed a complaint with the FEC, the Federal Elections Commission, trying to make them do their job. Said, hey, we think that we need an investigation here. We think that Karl Rove and American Crossroads is spending the bulk of his money. Never mind this exclusively primarily stuff, but the bulk of his money he is spending on political campaigns. And in fact, the investigators at the FEC found that to be true. And they recommended to the six chairpersons of the uh, FEC that they further investigate and consider uh, recommending a prosecution uh, or at least fines uh, for violating uh, campaign finance laws that Karl Rove should have declared himself to be a political action committee. But he didn't. Uh, and that case went away because why? Well, the FEC was formed about 40 years ago after Watergate after that corruption that took place during that campaign, uh, was formed by Congress with three Republican chairs, three Democratic chairs. And it used to be, for years, for decades, they would get along, and for the most part, and they would generally agree on what should be investigated, who should be fined, and so forth. Well, back in 2008, uh, as was explained to me, uh, by uh, Craig Holman, who I had on the broadcast. He's from uh, Public Citizen, I believe, and they're they're uh, carrying out the, the legal effort here to try to bring uh, accountability against the FEC for failing to do their job. He told me that sometime around 2008, Mitch McConnell realized that if, if he put you know right wing ideologues in the Republican chair seats in the FEC, that they would vote against any investigation. And that it would lead to a deadlock and that the FEC would then be broken and couldn't get anything done. And that is, in fact, what has happened. So the FEC, which still does have the authority to, uh, uh, you know, get accountability for what's going on in these uh, 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 this obscene campaign uh, season and the amount of money that is being spent, they could take action. Citizens United does not bar them from taking action. What bars them is the fact that the Republicans on the committee don't want to take any action, and they're killing all such investigations. FEC chair Anne Ravel uh, said over the weekend in an interview with New York Times that because Republican members of the commission think that the FEC should exercise less robust oversight, uh, they have become, quote, worse than dysfunctional. 
She said she was particularly frustrated that Republican commissioners would not support cases against four nonprofit groups, including Crossroads GPS founder Karl Rove, founded by Karl Rove, accused of improperly using their tax-exempt status for massive and well-financed political campaigns, and a surge in the so-called dark money in politics, hundreds of millions of dollars raised by nonprofits, trade associations, and other groups that can keep their donations secret has alarmed campaign finance reformers who are pushing to make such funding public, as it is supposed to be. Ravel now says the likelihood of laws being enforced in the 2016 race is, quote, slim. She said, I never want to give up, but I'm not under any illusions. People think the FEC is dysfunctional. It's worse than dysfunctional, she said. We got to have her on the show to uh, to talk about this because uh, it it really is. It is ridiculous. Uh, Ellen Weintraub, a, a Democratic commissioner who's been on there longer than any other commissioner, says that, quote, the few rules that are left, people feel free to ignore now. So it is bad, and the lawsuit continues to try to force the FEC to do their job, but uh, Carolyn Hunter, one of the Republican commissioners, said, we're not interested in going after people unless the law is fairly clear, and we're not willing to take the law beyond where it's written. Democrats, she said, view the law more broadly. Well, the law, if you bother to read it, is actually really quite clear uh, on this issue. And uh, this is, by the way, this is what this whole the pretend IRS scandal was all about. The IRS was actually looking at these groups who were applying for 501c4 status, tax-exempt status, uh, and, and you know, looking at them when it was, you know, tea parties for uh, whatever, <laughs> tea parties for right-wingers uh, group. They would take a look at those groups and say, hey, are you guys actually using your money primarily for social welfare, or is this a campaign group, secretly a campaign group? Well, in almost every case, they were secretly campaign groups, and they were looking at folks who weren't on the right, folks who had uh, names, progressive-sounding names. And as a matter of fact, only progressive uh, groups had their uh, application for uh, tax non-exempt status uh, revoked or denied by the IRS, but the Republicans love to play as if they are the victims here. That's what they do. That's their game. That's how they raise their money. That's how they scare their people. And that's how the NRA is still scaring their people when it comes to uh, Barack Obama taking their ammo away. But guess what? I can't talk about it today either because we're out of time. I can see this is going to be a running joke. Day after day, <laughs> we're going to try to get to this NRA story. Or maybe, you know what? Who cares? We'll see if we get to it or not. You know who the liars are. All right. Uh, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, as ever. Thank you very much, Desi. To our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn. And, of course, to our guest today, Jimmy Dore from JimmyDoreComedy.com. Door is spelled D-O-R-E. That's it. I think we're back tomorrow. We have a former congressman is with maybe. I don't want to say who it is. I, I think maybe we've got a former congressman tomorrow, and I think it's a former Republican congressman. Oh, yeah. It'll be a doozy. We'll see. In a good way. We'll see how doozy it is. All right. Until then, uh, we will find you a same. Uh, you can find me, same Brad time, same Brad channel tomorrow. And on the Twitters and the Facebook at The Brad Blog. And, of course, at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.